Welcome to today's episode on Life in the Front Office. I'm your host, Jake Hirschman. Uh, today's a special episode on our Sports Digita series um, in partnership with them. We've got Angelina Lawton, their CEO and founder, along with our special guest in George Killebrew, Commissioner of Major League Rugby. Excited to talk a little bit about both of um, their journeys, what's going on with Major League Rugby uh, on George's side. Uh, and we'll dive in. I mean, George, there's a lot going on. You just had uh, the collegiate draft. The season's about to kick off soon. Um, tell us a little bit about what you've got going on. Yeah, we're excited. You know, we're entering year four as a league. Uh, you know, this league started with seven teams and it grew to nine, then it grew to 12. And now we're in 13 of the major cities in the United States and Canada. So, you know, our competition begins uh, the weekend of March 20th and 21st. So it's coming up here pretty quick. And, you know, despite everything we're going through with COVID, it's full steam ahead. You know, all our teams are ready to compete and we hope to do so safely. And, and uh, that's what we're looking forward to. What was the biggest challenge you faced during 2020? Um, obviously, everyone faced their own challenges, but from a league perspective, what was the biggest challenge? Uh, you know, the biggest disappointment was, you know, we got through five weeks of the 2020 season and all of the economic indicators that sports teams are judged by were on the rise. Our attendances were up in all of our markets. Our three expansion teams had sold out their home opener. Our TV ratings were up on Fox and CBS. Uh, our OTT platform was up about 25%. So I, I, I was feeling really good, you know, as the commissioner that we're moving in the right direction. Then COVID hit, we had to shut it down. You know, but two little silver linings though, you know, our, our, our board of governors voted to pay all of our players their full salaries as if we played all 16 weeks, which I think was really a monumental thing for our league. And then secondly, it gave us a year to really prepare, you know, and each of the individual teams do all the grassroots work that you have to do about growing the game and selling tickets and sponsorships. You know, this league's never had that kind of time. It's been more of a ready, fire, aim kind of strategy. So a couple of silver linings came out of that as well. Yeah, that ready, fire, aim strategy. Um, Angelina, you're, you're a little bit familiar with that, with getting Sports Digit off the ground. I know when we started the first episode, we're, you know, you're 10 years in, so a little farther ahead than uh, where George is at. But what's some of the biggest challenges you face early on that maybe you know, George might uh, be facing as well? Well, I think it's probably different just because for when I started Sports Digital, we were really just trying to gain relevance and credibility in the sports market. Uh, as you know, that's a very tough market to break into. So I think that George is already far ahead on that just because of his credibility from working in the NBA and the Dallas Mavericks for so long. So I just think as far as him just getting the platform to be able to get the word out about rugby and having them be as you know relevant as all the other Power Five out there leagues. I think that's going to be the biggest thing. But for me, it was just really, you know, getting our name out there, product, relevance, credibility, things like that. We had to, you know, our, we have to, you know, really make sure that our product worked. And that was the biggest thing at the beginning, being a tech company, whereas George's product is already a proven commodity out there. So he's just trying to bring it to a different, you know, to the United States here. George, from a, a perspective of, you know, kind of growing it from grassroots perspective, right, with the youth and then ultimately creating more fans for the future, how have you tried to go about that component, knowing that you're going to have your fans that are maybe paying attention to rugby outside of the U.S., but to truly grow it in communities and where your teams are? Yeah, you know, rugby is a, a great example of a sport that is loved internationally, 
that hasn't fully translated in North America. So that's our challenge. So you know, it begins in the 13 markets that we're in, you know, and, and developing, you know, getting kids playing the game, you know, just bottom line, which is this year has been difficult, obviously, uh, with the school situation, but, you know, getting, getting kids involved in the grassroots, having a pathway to like academy play for those that, you know, are really exceeding in the sport. There's a ton of collegiate rugby programs across the country. So, you know, you have that pathway after the academy. And then you mentioned, you know, we added a, a draft, um, you know, last year for the first time, and we did two rounds and our, our team in Canada decided to sit out because they have the kind of whole country of Canada to uh, select players from. So it was really our 12 US based teams. And we were going to do, you know, two rounds, which is 24 selections. And I asked our rugby guys, Mike, now we are going to have enough people register for this draft where we're not embarrassed. They assured me that's the case. And then by the time we conducted the draft, we had over 475 collegiate rugby players registered, you know, for our draft, which, you know, kind of com completes that pathway. And we've all watched, you know, the, the great stories in sports and the NFL or the NBA where they start as a kid and they playing in youth programs. And then they play a little bit on a more elite basis for an academy. And then they go to a, you know, a collegiate program. And then, you know, the, the dream is, you know, some commissioner, probably one more famous than myself, calls their name and they get to go up on stage and, you know, complete the, the whole pathway. And that's what we're, we're all about. And I think we're doing a better job of, of kind of taking the athlete all the way through. You mentioned, uh, obviously you're the commissioner, but, you know, you had, as Angelina mentioned, you had a, a long career with the Mavericks in the NBA. Um, where did you make that pivot? How did you make that pivot from one to the next? How did you know it was the right career move for you? Um, and, and becoming, you know, try, you know, part of the MLR, which was growing from the ground up. Yeah, you know, I, I was always interested in doing something else. And then I looked down one day and I've been working for the Mavs for 27 years, which is really crazy. In the last 20 with Mark Cuban, which was a really wonderful experience. And, you know, Mark's first love was rugby. You know, he played rugby at the University of Indiana. He's been involved in their rugby program for years. He's mostly known more for other things, but um, so when, you know, the search firm kind of came to me on this, I went to him and said, what do you think? And, you know, he laughed. He goes, first of all, you don't know anything about the sport. And I said, well, that sport isn't our problem. The problem is the commercialization of the sport and the growth of the sport on all the little things we do pretty well at the Mavs or at the NBA. And so, you know, that's why it got my attention. I felt like, you know, there is no other professional rugby league in North America. It's just us. So like, it's not like we're, we're competing for that, the rugby space where we're kind of in it and own it. Now it's about how do you teach all these member teams, the importance of ticket sales and sponsorship sales and marketing and local broadcast agreements and how to be a good community citizen and really all the things that we do kind of at the grassroots level in the NBA. I think that's a really good segue into to talk about the march that MLR and George, you know, that they've had. I mean, it's been huge. I mean, they've done, I don't know, George, if you want to talk about American Airlines, Genius Sports Group, your TV deal. I mean, March is a big year for you or a good month for you. And I'm just thinking, like, who else could have done all that stuff if it wasn't like from your back background in the NBA and what you were doing? You've been doing that for so many years. It just when we heard that George was going to be the commissioner, it just seems like such a perfect fit for him to do all these bigger, huger deals they're going to have to, you know, propel this league forward. Yeah, I mean, I, I was an early adopter of Sports Digital at the Mavs. I don't know if we were their first client, but I was, I was pretty close. And, and the thing that really yeah, got me excited was, you know, 
first of all, the professionalism of the presentation. Like we had a bunch of sales reps kind of doing their own thing and they all looked and felt differently. And, and, and then the, the time it took to actually put one together was ridiculous, right? They were spending half a day trying to get it perfect and everything. And so I knew our closure rates, like our closure rate was really high, but like, you know, the amount of presentations we were doing was actually kind of low because it was laborious. And so, you know, when Sports Digital landed in my lap, it was kind of a no-brainer. And it just, it, it took the Mavericks business in a, in a couple of years to like, it, it like tripled our productivity just by the ability to, to get proposals out in, in a more expeditious manner. And then when I got here, like it was the first thing. It's like, you know, for some of these, these startup leagues or what have you, there's certain things you have to do to be, to, as I put it, put on your big boy pants a little bit. And, you know, you have to like, you have to read sports business journal every day and you have to like, there's certain just basics, right? And sports digital was like in the first kind of month, I think I was here because I just knew that, that it could help our member teams. It could help the league. And, and yeah, thanks Angelina. We, we just did it. Some amazing deals. We have two more to announce with really major brands you know, uh, we did American Airlines, which obviously we've had a long-term relationship with, or at least I have, uh, just being in this market. Um, and then we have a couple we haven't announced yet. We did announce Genius Sports because, you know, the whole sports betting thing is, is really, um, you know, getting really big in our space and we want to be right there. And um, like I said, two more kind of blue chip brands to come in the coming weeks. Uh, most of our partners in the past have been kind of indigenous to rugby. Uh, they were just kind of rugby brands. And we knew we had to break that mold and we're starting to, and um, that's when it gets really fun. You know, when, when blue chip brands are paying attention to you and we really kind of feel like we're next. We don't know another example of maybe a sport that hasn't arrived fully in North America that's before us. So we kind of think we're next, but we need some partnerships like the ones that we've announced, you know, to take us to that next level. Yeah, George, can you expand a little bit upon uh, the genius sports and kind of what you're hoping to accomplish there? I mean, uh, I'm trying to think through rugby from a betting perspective. That's that's a little bit different than maybe your other sports. Yeah, you know, I, I didn't. I wasn't a huge priority at first until somebody in the space told me that there were over 70 kind of platforms that people were betting on Major League Rugby, and that floored me. Like, I, I, I that floored me. I was like, geez which I guess kind of tells you that, you know, there's just a whole wrath of people out there that'll bet on a lot of things. And so we needed to formalize it. You know, what Genius Sports brings to the table is they're obviously a well-known name. They'll help us in our authenticity piece, which is very important, help educate our players. You know, we have to make sure all those kind of building blocks are in place before we're kind of ready for the big time, you know, with some of the other people out there. So it's, it's a good milestone for us, for sure. Uh, but it's kind of the first step in a multi-step process. And separating yourself, not only from the other sports, but you talk about the each unique community and their markets, right? Um, you think about, let's just say Phoenix, for example, there are so many different properties that you're competing with, right? Same thing with Dallas and so on. Um, how do you go about making sure that your properties, as they continue to grow from the ground up, are you know being able to separate themselves in the market as as a unique you know value proposition? Well, you know we start with rugby. Rugby's our core product, and we do a decent job of getting the rugby faithful to attend and to watch and to interact with our OTT platforms and stuff. But that's not going to be enough. We've got to reach out to new fans. We have to become attractive to new fans. And what we're really trying to change a little bit is 
is that we're an entertainment product. We're in the entertainment business. And we all know, you know, to, to attend a live sporting event in person, it's got to have something for everyone. You know, we want to be in a position where the family is sitting around the dinner table on a Wednesday trying to figure out what they're going to do on Saturday night. And we want to be the answer to that question. But in order to be the answer to that question, we have to have something for everyone. We want the kids saying we want to go to a rugby match because, hey, they have inflatables, they have bounce houses, they have face painters, they have balloon. You know, we love it. There's places to, you know, learn how to play the game. We want, you know, the mom to say, I want to go too. I like the, the stadium. I like, you know, the concession items or, or whatever, you know, the, the, the people that are involved, whatever their passion points are, we have to have it. And it's not just core rugby, right? So you got to have the core rugby, but it's just like what the American sports fan has become, you know, accustomed to is being entertained, whether it's an NBA game or an NFL game or what have you, it's an experience. And we've got to add that layer to our home matches in rugby. And we've been working, um, towards that over this year that we've kind of had off and developed kind of a, a game plan called rugby attainment, where we kind of look at the driveway to driveway experience, you know? And so if we're going to motivate you to get off the couch in front of your 75 inch high definition television and actually attend one of our matches, we got to check the box in about 25 different categories. And that's what we're working on. Angelina, um, we can, we can talk a little bit about expansion because it's an interesting one, right? How do you expand um, at the right, at the right pace, but also in the right way, the right resources, making sure that your staff to be able to do what you want to do, uh, not only effectively, but efficiently, um, we'll get to George, but, you know, Angelina on your side, in terms of expanding over the years, how have you gone about that? What lens have you looked through? Well, our lens has been outside of sports. We've had, you know, we've been very fortunate to do what we've done in sports and we continue on that path, but parallel path to that is definitely been our enterprise side, our business side. Um, we are organically growing just because these teams will be presenting on our platform to like say Delta Airlines and they'll ask what is the product that they're presenting on. And so really um, that's been the biggest part of our expansion. Anyone that is using PowerPoint really is game for DigiDeck for us for the product. So just continuing to expand that, we are scaling as quickly as we can. Sales enablement right now is a very hot market right now, especially with COVID and remote selling and things like that. So we're just really trying to capitalize on that and scale as much as we can, as quickly as we, as we can, you know, two marketing teams, two sales teams now, two websites, things like that. So just continue to try to capitalize on that. And it's not easy. It's, it's you know, it, that's what keeps me up at night is finding enough people to be able to, you know, carry out our mission on this. George, what keeps you up at night in terms of expansion? I'm sure you get, get asked this question often. You go from, you know, the few teams that you had to now 13. The question's probably always like, what's next or what's the number, or, you know, that sort of thing. But what keeps you up at night? Yeah, you know, I mean, we're, we're in a pretty sweet spot for a, a startup, you know, four-year-old league to have 13 franchises. We're in seven of the 10 largest markets as measured by Nielsen. So now it's really about, you know, the right partners, you know, to get groups that are really well capitalized is, is kind of the first thing we look at. Uh, the second thing we look at is a great stadium plan, you know, in their city to, to really have thought that through and have a great facility in order to, you know, to host rugby matches. Third, we look for is, is really groups that have people in the group that have done this before, that have been part of the sports marketing and sports business landscape whether they've worked at major league teams or minor league teams or what have you, seeding these teams with people that have been involved 
and have experience in sports marketing is really a key for us. You know, this league was really born and, and, and started out by just strict rugby guys, you know, that, that love the game and made some money and started a team and started a league. And, and now really the, the kind of the sports marketing piece is coming into play more and more as we enter year four. And then the fourth thing we look at is just their commitment to youth rugby in that market, you know, and really growing the game. Um, you know, a league we, we kind of look at and, and try to emulate a little bit is Major League Soccer. You know, they're, they're at 25 years old. We're at going into our fourth year. And, you know, one thing they did really, really well was there was a lot of kids playing soccer across America, which helped as they you know, brought these, these professional teams in. And those were the first, you know, people through the turnstiles. And that's the way we look at it. They should be the kids in our youth rugby programs and our 13 markets and their parents and friends should be the first 5,000 fans you know, through the turnstiles every Saturday. That's your bedrock. You know, that's those are the, the kids and the programs we're working with during the week with our coaches and our players teaching them the game. And then the quid pro quo come, you know, match time on a Saturday night for the professionals. We want them flowing into the stadiums as well. So, you know, expansion to us is I don't work backwards and look at like major cities we're not in. I look for the right scenario, great cities, but also they can check those four boxes. When you think about the game of rugby, right, and the, and the commercialization opportunities, sure, there's the broadcast, right, you've got your partners there, but from the actual game itself and having about 5,000 people go into a, you know, uh, a stadium or a complex to go and watch that game, it's not, you know, it's different than hockey where you have your three, you know, your two intermissions, you have your pregame, your postgame, it's different than baseball where you have an inning break, you know, every half inning. How do you go about thinking in that lens? Um, maybe similarly to basketball? Yeah, I mean, you know, the game in its origins was played but with a running clock. So, like, it's nice. We always used to joke in basketball that, you know, you have these quarter breaks and the, the, the three-minute timeout and the halftime where you can push out all these entertainment troops. And our friends at the hockey team say we're jealous because not, you can't, we can't push all that stuff out on the ice as easy as you can on a court. But, um, you know, we, we, do, we do now have natural breaks within the game where we can – mix in entertainment we obviously have half times and things like that and you know as television has become more important you know we'll do 35 of our matches this year on national television so we have a partnership with cbs sports we have a partnership with fox and they're basically divided down the middle cbs sports will do our finals on august the first in prime time um, not on CBS Sports Network, but on CBS Network, you know, or as I call it, Big CBS. So that's a, a big moment for the league, you know, to showcase kind of where we are. Um, and that's, you know, hugely important to our growth. So we have to be TV friendly, you know, despite our roots and how the game was kind of designed. We have to adapt and we have to have those breaks in order to kind of get the commercialization in. Um, go ahead, Angelina. I'm, I'm thinking of commercialization from a player perspective. It's kind of unique and different than, than maybe some other sports. What are your thoughts? Um, I think that whatever George is going to do on this front is going to be really good. I think that, you know, he will know how to make the most of it in rugby as far as being the commissioner. And, you know, I think of people like Adam Silver, Gary Bettman, all that stuff, all the other commissioners. I think that George will take it to the next level with major league rugby for sure. George, to that point, you know, from a player perspective, utilizing personalities, um, maybe more of the team type of environment as opposed to one individual player. How do you make sure that that might be the message more so than, you know, a star driven league per se? Yeah, I mean, one of the really refreshing things about this league and these players 
is that, you know, back to the story of us paying them their full salary last year, even though we got shut down in week five, pretty much we have 500 players. We're single entities. So they all work for me. Technically, I, my name's on their paycheck. So to a man, pretty much they all reached out to me one way or the other when we shut it down last year and said, first of all, thank you so much for doing that, which it wasn't me necessarily. It was our ownership groups. And then secondly, they're like, you know, we'll do anything you want us to do to help promote and market this game, um, which, you know, your players are your best assets. And, you know, we, we have a lot of European players come over and play in Major League Rugby, and some of them have played at the highest level. They've captained their countries in Olympics and in World Cups. We have one in particular that was the captain for England that's coming over this year by the name of Chris Robshaw. And if you look at Chris Robshaw, he's got a gigantic social following on Twitter and Instagram and, and things of those natures. And so when I speak to those types of players, I said, here's how you can help us. Please be a marketing arm for us. So when, you know, Chris is playing for one of our teams, the San Diego Legion, you know, when you get to San Diego and it's match day, tweet it out, put it on your Instagram story, you know, because he has a million followers, right? Because he's a big, and we have those in a lot of different teams, you know, where, where a guy has starred for his country at the highest level. So we, we want them to come over. We want them to have a great experience. And then we want to harness their social power through their social followings to help grow the game. Is there something that you can- I've even seen your social kind of pick up, George. I'm seeing you do a lot more on LinkedIn and Twitter and stuff. So I think that's great too. I think you're really spreading the word about the game out there too. So that's all, everyone that works for MLR should definitely be a brand ambassador for it. So that's awesome. Yeah, I mean, I appreciate that, Angelina. It's, you know, it's free media, right? So if you're not right. taking advantage of it and, you know, you hear certain people say that, you know, they're just not into it or what have you, but um, it's, it's, you know, we, we don't have the, the budget in our league, you know, to advertise to the extent of millions and millions of paid advertising dollars. So you've really got to use those mechanisms as best you can. And, and it's a fine line, right? It's not just, you're not just a shill, you know, it's got, the content has got to be good and, you know, it's got to be, you know, meaningful or, or people won't react to it or follow it. And so, you know, we have a really good team and a really great PR agency. I mean, really great. Um, that's helping us on this. And I think it's really important and our players are getting into it. Like we've, we've seen this, you know, you look at the NBA guys, look at a guy like LeBron James. I mean, his growth on the social side is a, a direct correlation to his growth on the commercial side and everything else. I mean, his ability to put himself out there and show who he really is. That's what fans want to know, you know, and for our sport where we don't have household names necessarily, here is that opportunity. And the other thing, these guys are hilarious. Like they are unbelievably funny there. We have a huge international piece. We have players from Ireland and England and Australia and New Zealand and South Africa and Argentina. And it's like a comedy show when you're around these guys and they're first and they're very fit and you can see our athletes by the uniforms we wear. And so there's, they're, they're just a really marketable asset that we have to do a way, way better job of pushing out there. George, the, the international leagues, the super league, right? There's, there's, rugby that's definitely uh, internationally happened prior to you know MLR is there are there certain things that you try and take from those teams those ownership groups etc to in a sense emulate but also um, to your point those guys are coming from all these different countries how do you make them feel like they're home in America as well wherever you know whatever community that they're in yeah that's a great question um, 
you know, when the international players come over, first, first and foremost, each team can only have 10 max. But what it, what it does for the young American players in the locker room to be around a guy like Chris Robshaw that's played it at the highest level is he's able to show them what it means to be a professional, how to train, how to approach media, how to approach nutrition, how to handle yourself off the field. You know, they're, they're kind of like role, built-in role models in each of these teams. So, you know, there's, there's a big curiosity on the world rugby stage about the United States and, and Canada. You know, we're, we're the last two bastions where this sport just hasn't exploded. And so there's a lot of eyeballs on what we're doing. And that's the reason a lot of these players want to come over as well. So, you know, it's, it's a great marketing opportunity for us, but it's also a great opportunity because, you know, we're, we're playing in a different time period where guys like the aforementioned players can come over and continue to play and check out the United States and, and Canada and, and, and really become messengers for us. And that, that's why it was important to pay these guys the way we did, because they all went back to their home countries and said, you know, for a young league, we were treated really properly by Major League Rugby. And, you know, and that, that helps us as we look at things like trying to bid for the Rugby World Cup which we are trying to do in either the year 2027 or 2031. And so in order to like get that award from World Rugby, we've got to check all those boxes and, and all the, the, the whole World Rugby eyes are definitely upon us. That's certainly uh, sights set on the future, you know, 2027, 2020 or 2031. Um, obviously a lot of growth ahead, George. And um, one thing I'll, I'll mention as we start to wrap up and, and head to the rapid fire is, is leadership, right? Obviously, you know, being being at the top and um, serving as a leader for not only, you know, the, the clubs that are out there across the country, but also the players and so on. Um, what's your biggest lesson learned so far from a leadership perspective uh, that you maybe didn't experience at the NBA? Everyone that's involved in Major League Rugby wants to be led. You know, so, so for a leader, you have to first of all, have an audience that wants to be led. Uh, they want this game to succeed. These owners that own these teams, you know, it's not like they have a ton of experience in, in owning a sports franchise. And so it's almost like a, it's a really great teaching moment. And I've been able to attract a lot of people that I've worked with, you know, both in, at the Mavs and in other places to come join us to either populate our teams or populate our league office. And it's just literally every day, all we do is teach. You know, we just teach because, you know, none of us are, are indigenous to the sport. So it's not like they're going to learn really anything from me about rugby per se, but it's not about rugby. Like we, we don't have any competition there. So now it's about how to be a great entertainment product, how to be a great sports marketer, how to sell season tickets. Why is it important to sell season tickets? Why is it important to do local sponsorships, et cetera? So, um, yeah, that's been been really, really fun. The fun part about it is everyone here wants to be led and get better. And you've got some some sort of a, a clean slate in a sense, right? You're kind of starting from scratch in, in a, a world of, um, you know, you can kind of test a few things out, right? See how they work, uh, especially from market to market. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I toyed with changing some of the rules, but you got to be careful when you do that. And I thought they were pretty agnostic, kind of vanilla and some were and some weren't. So, you know, you pick your battles a bit. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just a wonderful time, like to try to bring a sport that isn't beloved in North America and, and get its stamp of approval and get it up and running and get it, 
you know, formidable. And it, it's not necessarily about trying to take over, you know, the top leagues in this country. It's just about to get on really solid footing in each of our markets. And hey, by the time, you know, if we were to get the World Cup in 2031, by the way, we'll be a 14-year-old league with, we expand by one or two teams a year, you know, 22 to 32 teams across the country. And what a better way to, you know, launch a World Cup in this country. And I think it'll be a great day for, for the U.S. and Canada. Just such a wealth of knowledge, insights, perspectives, George. Um, I'll, I'll throw it to Angelina uh, for any closing thoughts before uh, I throw some rapid fire questions at you. No, I just, you know, I go back to our time with him at the Mavs and his partnership and just watching him and what he was doing. And as far as like, we, we knew he was going to be going summer. We didn't know where. So when we found out that he was the commissioner, we just were like, that's a perfect fit. There was not a lot of jobs out there that would be able to, you know, probably satisfy George. So I'm just, if rugby is going to be a huge, huge success, like it already is and continue, it's, in my opinion, it's going to be directly related to George. George, you got a lot on your shoulders. Let's get to rapid fire. Um, <laughs> your your favorite team internationally? Oh, internationally. Okay, that's a that's a curveball. Um, I, I really like soccer as a sport that I've loved. Um, FC Barcelona is a brand that I've really enjoyed following. So I'll, I'll go ahead and give them the props on that one. What have you learned from Mark Cuban uh, that you've taken with you through your entire career? Uh, just to be present, you know, this business is 24, seven, 365. There are no days off. You know, it, it's, it's just what you do. It's part of your DNA and working with him. That was the most refreshing thing is he was available to you 24, seven, 365. And that's what this is. And if you're, if you're not cut out for that, that's okay. But if you are, it's pretty exhilarating. Best travel tip. Hopefully we get some back to some sort of travel here soon. I'm sure, you know, with games, you may be as well. Uh, Angelina does her, her fair share of traveling. Uh, best travel tip. First class on American Airlines to Honolulu. I see that, that sponsor plug right there. <laughs> Which is my Angelina. hometown, by the way. So. <laughs> Angelina, you got a travel tip? Um, boy, I mean... So many. I would just say, you know, go with people you really enjoy being with. Um, I probably should probably write a travel blog, though, right, George? Something, you know, a little bit more in depth. For sure, Angelina. You, if anyone knows a good travel <laughs> tip, it's you. Not only do you log more miles than any executive I know, you also find some good exotic destinations for, for family time and stuff. Uh, last okay. one for you, George. Um, favorite part about Dallas? Oh, I just like the, the people mostly. I think it's a pretty friendly city. You know, the South and Southwest are, are very hospitable. And I, geez, I've been here longer than I've been in, in my years growing up in Hawaii. So I consider this now home. Went to college here, met my wife here, worked here my whole career, which is rare in sports to stay in one market. So I guess you could qualify me as a Dallas guy now. And it's just been a wonderful city for me and my family. I lied. We got one more question. If you could play any position in rugby, what would it be? Oh, they have such great names. You know, that all the guys tell me that I'm not qualified to play any of them. <laughs> like I would be like left out. But like if I had to choose one just by the coolness of the name, I'd like to be a scrum half. Scrum half. All right. All right. Perfect. Well, George, really appreciate your thoughts, perspectives, insights, and 
um, taking the time to be a part of this series with Sports Digita. Angelina, appreciate the time as always. Um, and uh, thank you. Thanks, Jay. Thanks, Angelina. I'm looking forward to my first rugby game too, George. Yes, we'll we'll get you to the city of your choice. Okay, so on, on American okay. Airlines. <laughs> on American, exactly. <laughs> Thanks, everyone. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Jake. Okay, bye-bye.